Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Beautifully Alpha. I'm one of your co-hosts, Danny Fan, and today I'm bringing in our very first guest, Kim Longvo, who is a dear friend of mine. I've known him since high school, so we're going to have a cool chat about how he is now teaching at our alma mater and how things have probably changed dramatically since we were students ourselves. And then hopefully we're going to get touched upon, I know Quang's really excited about this, talk about his experience coaching esports. Um, so yeah, hope you guys all enjoy this very first episode of Beautifully Alpha. Woo, cue the music. Beautifully Alpha. Beautifully Alpha. Where were you just now? Come on. Where was I? Um, at home. Oh, for some reason I thought you were like at an event. Um, or you were working something. Oh no, it was, um, we had eSports scrims. Oh, that was, tryouts, t- actually. That was today? Um, yeah, we're, we're doing tryouts for, well, I'm just VOD reviewing for, recording for this team, and we were trying to find one more person for our Overwatch team. So is it a high school team or is it like a third party team? This is um, open division. So this is like people who are interested in moving up so then they can maybe be professionals. Oh. oh, so what do you try out at? Do you just? Yeah, I'm recording from home, but these everyone's like from all over the U.S. Okay, I think there are people east. Yeah, there are people east coast, um, mountain, central, and west coast. We totally just jumped right into it, but we wanted to talk a little bit more about yourself and like what you do, esport wise. What you do in terms of profession, teaching young student, young minds. <laughs> or let's talk about how you got here. Even like, when did the music thing start? Like, uh, at what age? Uh, ooh, I actually can't remember. Did like your parents put you in like piano, or guitar? Or... I actually did Vietnamese music, like Vietnamese traditional oh, yeah, music. Forget, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with what instrument? Um, I started on the dang bao, which is the one with the one string. Oh, the one string, yeah. Okay. And then I don't know why. I think it's dope. My, my my teacher just I think my teacher just had me switch. I don't remember what initiated the switch, but I switched to dang yi, which is the two string one. Okay. And then I played that until high school. Joined band. And then that's really where my interest in music took off. And I know you're from band. Bands. Because yeah, I actually did play music in middle school. I just played with trumpet. And then switched to baritone right before I started high school. But was there like a big aha moment where you're like, you know, I want to do percussion um, professionally? Well, I was doing photography at the same time as I was studying percussion. Yeah. Um, and then one year in the middle of that, I switched to business because percussion was really hard and like I didn't know how to handle such a tough uh, major mm-hmm. so then I switched to business because I thought it'd be easier um it was but, equally as hard or easier <laughs> I can't say because I don't think I stayed long enough to be able to do it but I, I think it just needed a change of pace you know like mm-hmm. when when you're you've stuck when you've been stuck doing something for so long and you haven't made progress sometimes just changing yeah what you're doing is enough of a break like you don't even need to stop doing anything you just need to do yeah. something different mm-hmm. but during that one year which which is really interesting right like during that one year i didn't i wasn't really that involved in music other than playing steel drums at kelsey long beach um still coaching at westminster high school but i still felt like i grew a lot as a musician i was doing photo of people's recitals and towards the end of that i just knew that was what i wanted to do so that one year off, I got a lot of value out of that experience because I had a goal and a vision of what I wanted from it. Yeah. Which I think is hard. Had a lot of intent, to, yeah, exactly. intention to it. With all this during college? Yeah, this is just the 
first six years of undergrad yeah. or the, okay. the six years of undergrad. the six years yeah i was yeah. it's really interesting that you said that um you kind of felt you kind of came back to it being able to admire the work that your peers have done and know that, that that's very attainable even though like before you're having a difficult time you're like okay despite being difficult there is like a light at the end of the tunnel was it kind of that what you're experiencing or was it something that you found within yourself I think it's really, really complex, like most things are, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think I had gone to see that many recitals before then. Mm -hmm. And I probably wasn't mature enough of a musician to really soak in that much from the recitals anyways. Okay. Um, and, and I don't think it was just because I went to so many recitals and saw so many recitals because um, I think if I had just set in the audience i wouldn't have gone the experience i got which was through telephoto lens really being up close to mm. the musician and that experience would experience which is really unique and and rather intimate right mm. um that was what really made me want to come back to percussion okay yeah that's interesting Telephoto lenses are good. <laughs> the stocking lenses are excellent. I think I was using the, the 75-300, like the super cheap one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. The one that only works if you have enough lighting. <laughs> oh, yeah, because um, when you zoom in, it's a 5.6. Yeah, it's pretty much. Awful. It's so dark. So right after undergrad, there were two years where I did not know what I wanted to do, mm. which I think most people go through that. Yeah. Still um, going through that. Yeah. Some people. <laughs> and some people still change their minds all the time, right? It's Okay. There were three things that I was heavily involved in. First was music, um, coaching music at the high school, photography, and events, actually, because between graduating from high school and that 2012, I'd volunteered at Anime Expo a lot. And a lot of other cons. Oh, what did you do volunteer there? volunteered in the volunteers department so we managed the volunteers who oh, went the down. volunteer resource or something yeah. is that what it's called yeah yeah don't you do conventions now? oh you yeah i've been doing that for the past four years uh event like, operations at anime like, expo as we we left you came in i know one of my co-workers like hey you should do this you might like it I did it one year like i liked it <laughs> did, if you're good at, if you work retail you'll be good at mm -hmm. volunteering and you did you said you did con ops right e event ops I don't even know what con ops is. Convention operations. Ops, yeah, operations okay. in general. Event operations. They I know they restructured a lot, so I don't know what all the departments are called anymore. But con ops was a fun department where if things are going well, you were bored to death. Uh, that's probably us because uh, we're like complaints and lost and found. That's pretty much essentially what it is. Yeah. For context, Anime Expo is a very large anime convention out here in Los Angeles. Held at the Los Angeles Convention Center. <laughs> Usually in July. It's, yeah, it's almost always like on 4th of July. It's on 4th of July. Yeah. I think my first, I actually saw, was going through all the badges that I have from like random shows that I've been. I th I've been going to Anime Expo since 2003. Wow. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Every single year? Have you missed a year? Uh, no, I, I missed the last two years. I stopped going two years ago. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, within the five days this year, like over 350,000 people went amongst those five days. It used to be... 50,000 people less you know it was less than 50,000 people when it was still in Anaheim Convention yeah. Center it was so nice there was yeah. so much more free stuff when there was less people really? I want a GameCube 
one my <laughs> one year. What'd you do with it? Is this upstairs? It's right upstairs. Now? Okay, it's, I got the silver edition. What? <laughs> I got the silver edition. So Kyoto controls. That same year, I think I got a bunch of like other cool swag. I think I like some um, really cool shirts that I, I still have around somewhere in my closet. Yeah. So during those years, I'm like, I can go any of these routes. Yeah. Which that. one do I enjoy the most? And I really did enjoy all three a lot, but. The experience that made me know at that moment that I wanted to do music was um, the band director at, at Westminster, Mr. Wally. He was he was out for um, to take care of uh, his health, and during that time there was a substitute there. But then, me being the assistant band director, I was the one who was actually running everything. Yeah. Right. Because um, was it just a plain old substitute teacher? Yeah, sub so just to um, really legally supervise and just make sure nothing yeah, bad happens. Not somebody who specializes yeah. in teaching music. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So during that time, there was a moment where I was running rehearsal, and I thought to myself, I'm really enjoying every single moment of this. Why am I not doing this as a career? You didn't like wake up and get out of bed all slowly, like, oh, you're like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a lot of fun. Hell um, yes. <laughs> and at that point, I didn't know when I wanted to go into the credential program, but um, my friend Mark, who... You know Mark Young. Not oh, yeah. freshman when you were yeah, senior. Yeah, yeah. Baby, um, I remember, yeah. He's still coaching there, too. Yeah. But, um, really? Yeah. That's he, funny. He so, drum line, right? Um, so he passed on a piece of device that someone else had passed on to him, saying that time is the most limited resource. Mm -hmm. Don't put this off if it's something that's really important to you. Go for it now. So then right after that, I applied for, like, a bunch of different credential programs in 2014. This was spring 2014. And by fall 2014, no, by summer 2014, I was at UCI taking a master's class. And then for the next 13 months, did that. A student taught at Westminster, graduated, got my credential, and applied for a job at Westminster. Nice. Yeah. It all happened really fast. And then that, and the, what are you teaching at Westminster? I. Like not, it's not banned, it's something else. <laughs> I, a lot of things. I still help. I still work with band, but I also teach special ed music. Um, for the past three years, I taught AVID. I don't know if you know what AVID is. I was in AVID for like a few yeah. of them. Um, what is the acronym AVID? Advancement via individual determination. Wait, can you explain to me what is special something music? Is the first special you education music? Oh, special ed music. So special ed music is it for special ed kids? Yeah, actually, yes. Okay, so exactly like it sounds. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the best way to start the day because these kids are like the nicest, Aww. warmest kids. So in the morning, they always greet you. And, and for two, two years, my first year and last year, I taught zero period. And no matter how bad zero period went, by the time I got to first period, special ed music, everything was always better because they were such nice kids. You didn't get no trouble, like no rowdy kid in the special ed? There were times where... Things got tough, but that's true for any class, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're young, you can handle it. Imagine you're like, I'm about to retire. I don't want to deal with this right now. <laughs> I think good teachers will always be good teachers, no matter how old they are. Like, um, there are several teachers who retired recently that um, I feel like were good teachers all the way up until they graduated. Mm. And they like, didn't check out like yeah. their last year or anything like that. Yeah. Um, 
Did you have Mrs. Harmon? That's who I was thinking too. Uh, no, I yeah, did she not. She taught a government, a AP government. I think she also started teaching regular gov, but we had her for AP gov. She was so cool drinking her V8. <laughs> Thanks for energy. Her pig collection. <laughs> um, but when I was going through the credential program, I observed her and she was still using, or not still, she was using like a lot of new teaching strategies using technology and things like that. So anyone who says, oh, I'm too old to use technology. No, they're just too lazy to learn how to use technology because Mrs. Harmon, right up until she retired, was always learning new ways to use technology. So classroom. she did this on her free time. She's like, yep, I'm gonna learn it. I feel like she had like some really high tech stuff. I'm like, wow, it's a whiteboard, but it can project stuff on it. And she can like write things in the, project. I remember. Something. I would always want to play Counter-Strike on those whiteboards. <laughs> just like, never miss, just, <laughs> just go up to it. Yeah, but how do you do a 360 no scope? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Wait, so wait, there's more, I feel like there's more than those two classes. For teachers who are like... No, for you. Like they're <laughs> teaching. Special ed oh, music? Oh yeah, so um, special ed music, Avid. Um, are you still doing Avid or is it done? By, I think... You're out of it. I don't know going into this next year. I don't think I'll be teaching Avid, but our school, um, during my first year teaching full-time, our school earned um, what's called National Demonstration Site for Avid, which is which means that other schools are able to come to our school and we'll model how to run Avid strategies. In case anyone's wondering, because um, I don't, did I ever tell you what Avid is? Because I told you the acronym, but yeah. um, I think the shortest description I can give is um, think about what that one thing that might be holding somebody back from going to a four-year university is. Maybe they don't know how to apply for financial aid. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're kind of disorganized. Maybe they're kind of lazy. <laughs> Maybe they don't know what colleges are out there. Yeah. Like whatever that obstacle is. One thing is Avid gives them that extra nudge and that extra support okay. so that they have a chance to make it to a four year, four year university. Some kids are just really motivated and want to learn more strategies and they'll just convince us. That would have been me. <laughs> so it's just like kids on the border of like about to go to college or something yeah 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 i always but, thought it was like c average students giving it like a c average student a chance i always <laughs> thought it, that's how i envisioned it i think for some people that's what it is is like their grades are okay maybe they need extra support so that they can raise their grade up a little bit so that they can be more competitive yeah. with college apps and things like that like for every person it's going to be something a little different mm -hmm. um, i know that a lot of things that i learned from becoming an avid teacher i wish i had in high school like how to take notes. <laughs> yes. The Cornell notes. Is, oh, yeah, it was Cornell notes. People were talking about this. Is it from the University of Cornell? Is that why they call it Cornell I notes? I actually don't know. We call them focus notes now. Yeah, oh, I okay. that um, And I think the biggest takeaway from um, focus notes is um, the process of how you uh, interact with your notes. First step is take your notes, right? Mm -hmm. um, second step is um, we call it interact, which is circle like keywords, underline main ideas. Uh, put question marks about things you're confused about, yeah. star things that you think are extra important. Um, maybe color coding things so that you can identify different sections yeah. of the notes. Um, it could be editing things out, rewriting stuff so it's more clear. Third step would be writing um, higher level questions that you think might be questions that would appear on a test or questions that would just make you think really hard about the topic yeah. and really deeply too. And then, it's all coming back to and then the last step is to reflect and summarize on what um, you you wrote about in your notes. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a specific time for when you do all the steps so that you can maximize the retention of the notes too. Yeah, I've actually learned that recently that um, 
you don't want to just try to binge it all in one go. You actually want to take breaks in between because your your brain has a focus mode and a diffuse mode. And actually, like when you're not focusing on it, you're letting your brain absorb it. It actually is much more effective, mm-hmm. which is why you shouldn't cram. <laughs> the numbers we use are 10, 24, 7. <laughs> what's, what's 10, 24, 7? So 10, within 10 minutes, you want to um, have done some interaction with your notes. Mm-hmm. Within 24 hours, write some questions. And then within seven days, do the reflection and the summary. Oh. So that's spreading out the when you do each step so that as your brain starts forgetting stuff, you interact with your notes and then you remember something. Yeah. So each time you do it, you remember. And you have a better thing. imprint of it in your brain. Can you the... repeat it for me one more time? <laughs> yeah. So what do you do in 10 minutes? I'm just interact doing... with your notes. Interact with your notes. What do you do for 24 hours? Questions. High questions. High level questions. Within that 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And within seven days? Is reflection. And reflect. Okay. I like to use the word reflect more because summarize it's kind of a, a lower level thinking right because mm-hmm. you're just repeating exactly what's in there but reflecting you're at you're interjecting a little more thought to it yeah like hey i struggled on this topic versus reflecting is just stating what that topic or is just reading it over again mm-hmm. yeah do you have a favorite student, <laughs> student? or uh, students you hate I have don't answer if you don't have to <laughs> that are work in progress mm-hmm. where haven't figured out how to unlock their potential yet okay. or, or we haven't figured out what the right setting for them is because mm. sometimes when it, when a kid is the way they are in a classroom right we don't know why they're like that sometimes it, they're just hungry yeah, or, or they're, that. Yeah. so in like in all my classrooms i've just had like stashes of snacks like goldfish yeah. and stuff like that the way that our schedule is structured now is um monday tuesday thursday friday are normal days we don't do block schedule anymore. And oh, like what? Minimum day. Wait, can you explain to me what schedule we have now? It's regular. So every single day you go to all your classes. Every single day. So 45 minute classes, right? Wait, there's... do they have lockers now? That means they got to no carry lockers. books? Um, How do they carry all their books? books? Oh, there's what now? There are less books now. Less books. So... Our school last year went one-to-one Chromebook. So every kid has a Chromebook. Every single kid has a Chromebook. Day. Yes. Wow. That's... Things have changed. Yeah. So anyways, on Wednesday is minimum day and there's a, an hour block on Wednesdays that is uh, designated for professional development time that's used for different things, including providing time for teachers to meet with each other, share strategies and things like that. Is that in the morning or at night that's after, after, school. after school? Still school for us. Oh, then, yeah, 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 yeah. Then, like, it's it's after six period. Yeah. What time do you guys get out? Like one o'clock? Like middle? Like middle? 23 is where the bell rings. Damn. That sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. Mid-week. Unless you have sports and it doesn't matter. You can stay. Yeah. That's also true. Yeah. Wednesday, I think, and we end at, I don't even know when. It's like nine o'clock or something like that. Yeah. Especially when we have like sports and stuff or a game. Well, now on Wednesdays, we have stadium time. So we rehearse in the stadium until nine o'clock. What? Yeah. That's so nice. They allow you to do that? Because don't you got to get like permission every time to use the field? Yeah. So we'll put in uh, requests to use the field. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Every single Wednesday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I found Valley High School would do it a lot. So that's come over to for for context when kim long and i were in band we used like a, a field outside of the stadium that we have to spray paint markers on you guys did it yourself uh sometimes, sometimes yes. yeah oh my god i remember these yeah they use, use special chalk that's good for the grass or the ground yeah, probably didn't do that oh we, well we went out and bought that okay yeah but that's so nice that you can do it in the stadium yeah plus wait is the stadium actual turf too it is oh my god y'all Marching versus on AstroTurf versus regular grass. How do you like it? It's bouncier. From it's, what I, I think I remember it's bouncier. It's so much better because when you have dirt 
it does this. Mm-hmm. The ground does this, right? And yeah, and you might trip over a sprinkler. And, yeah. I have tripped. <laughs> and divots. Mm-hmm. I have tripped and knocked over other people with me. I've seen those sprinklers cause uh, concussions. Like people run and just trip and hit their head. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, where were we? AstroTurf. Grass. I don't know how we got here. <laughs> Whatever it is, we got to make it to esports. <laughs> so, so that was because Abbott. We got to uh, make it to esports okay. eventually. We got to ma- exploring computer science, which is like super basic. Hey, here's how computers and internet works. Wait, was computer science always there or was it more recent thing? More recent thing. Okay. And recently added last year, my new class was music technology. Ooh. So, like techno? I guess you can say it like that, but <laughs> it's using technology and computers to explore and write music. So kids who Are do like finale or like other tools um, like GarageBand. I think it programmed more like Ableton. Oh, and, and <gasps> if, if we had a Mac lab, it would have been like you could teach me Ableton. <laughs> I have Ableton. I haven't. I haven't practiced. <laughs> I haven't. Keyboard. Any, any potential? Like anyone? You think you can make it big? Oh yeah, we have several kids who can probably um, go pretty far in music. Take over the world. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just get them on SoundCloud. But even some of them already, they already have very noble ways of thinking about music like um they're not in it to become famous and popular things mm-hmm. like that they're in it so that they can raise awareness of more less or not more less fortunate upbringing yeah things like that yeah, yeah. so it's really it's really cool that they're already going into music thinking about things like that i mean that, well, that's what a lot of hip-hop is and then mm-hmm. you know it still is actually. yeah it still is and actually people around the world are using hip-hop to like cause a ruckus to fight the power if I give it to the man <laughs> um so yeah maybe that'll be a new sound that's created in this next generation that'd be so cool mm-hmm. but the whole point of that class is to make music more accessible because like with traditional music if you didn't know how to play an instrument it's really hard to access music yeah. or if you didn't know how to sing yeah but music technology was a lot more accessible to a lot of students and also with like i would imagine because all the students have chromebooks they do now have access to like google and youtube and there's a lot of resources out there mm-hmm. nowadays, too. Even though we have to be aware that just because they have Chromebooks doesn't mean they have internet access at home. That's also true. Yeah. That's also true. Most people do, but then there are people who don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I, had one, I have one student who his dad would not let him charge his Chromebook because he didn't want to raise the electric bill. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which, a Chromebook's really not going to draw that much power, right? Like, a hairdryer is going to have a bigger power draw. But there are still students who have obstacles like that yeah to their education i remember who was um my friend he's a director of technology at a, a school district in a kind of a rural area uh he mentioned to me like oh yeah sometimes um his students actually will hang out at in front of mcdonald's and loiter <laughs> and then use the free wi-fi um and same thing with the starbucks do you think that's the future for us um free wi-fi and free phones like basic cellular for everybody i feel like the biggest hurdle not feel i think one of the biggest hurdles is actually just cable companies themselves mm-hmm. what state was it there was a state or city that wanted yeah. to oh. have better internet i forget we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't need to talk what, about what, it can you there, there give me a, a brief summary a that wanted better internet and there was no cable company that could provide it for them mm-hmm. so they decided we're gonna make our own mm-hmm. high-speed internet and they were almost stopped by the cable companies yeah even though the cable companies gave them terrible internet yeah um what were we talking about right before this music technology yeah. music technology last, last, newest class that he started teaching. Yeah. Um, is that something you're going to be teaching this upcoming year too? Mm-hmm. Cool. Hopefully in two periods. Oh, snaps. Yeah. That's like 60 students, right? Is that, an elective, <laughs> is that an elective class where kids can choose to be in it? It's an elective, yeah. 
there's only so many classes one can take i know there were so many classes i wanted to take but i was maxed out all four years because i'm a nerd guys zero through seven zero through seven all four years Man, you take music technology in a film class and you got yourself a music video there are kids who do take both yeah um but how did uh esports become uh, something that you started coaching at the school was it something easy to bring in or was that something the students wanted um i think it's both and there, there are a lot of things that led up to that so what started or the, the, the reason I got started with eSports was, I think it was three years ago, maybe four, three or four years ago, the choir ran a Super Smash Brothers tournament, and I helped with that. Yeah. That was the very beginning. I think we did that for two years, and then the year after that, um, it was so much fun that the kids said, hey, we want to do a Super Smash Brothers club. Can you be our club advisor? So I said, yeah, sure. Smash Yay. is cool. <laughs> did that for two years. Going into this past year, one of our principals asked me, hey, we have... A League of Legends team, we have Super Smash Brothers Club, can we just create like one big esports club that unifies everything? And I said, sure. <laughs> so then last year, um, with um, a lot of help from um, a group, an organization called the North American Scholastic Esports Federation, mm. they are heavily funded by the Samueli Foundation. I think most people, if I tell them, hey, have you heard of Anaheim Ducks? <laughs> they own the Anaheim Ducks. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So Henry Samuelli was um, a big tech guy who um, began putting a lot of his success into giving back to the community. To um, I think he funded a lot of stuff at UCI. He started a school, um, like, um, I don't know, was it a private school or charter school? I don't, I'm not sure. And And then... There's the North American Scholastic Esports Federation, which starting esports programs throughout North America. Mm -hmm. So U.S., Canada. I don't know if there are many in Mexico, but mostly U.S., some Canada. Is there a lot of uh, interaction like between the different schools? Or is it pretty siloed? Um, I think that some schools interact with other schools a lot. Mm -hmm. There's just so many schools, so... We can't interact with a lot of them. Yeah. Um, we've worked a lot with Woodbridge High School, Down the Freeway, Fountain Valley High School, Marina, Edison. Definitely within our district, we have a lot of strong schools that work together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, us, Fountain Valley, um, Edison, Marina came late, but then they have a program still. By coming late, as in like they just they, started this year? They started halfway through the year instead of at the very beginning. Oh, okay. Of the year. But for Westminster, for example, like for example, did all the other schools already have a program in place when Westminster joined? Is that how the principal? was aware of esports or is it something it kind of happened simultaneously district-wide so the year before i got involved mm -hmm. where that the year that i was only smash club advisor um the orange county high school esports league ran a league of legends tournament mm -hmm. so that i think was really all that they did that year yeah. there were scholarships and prizes and stuff like that but they really only ran the tournament um and we wanted to keep that going but then they grew to become the North American, I'm just going to call it NASA right? uh, <laughs> for short. And NASA's vision isn't just to run esports clubs, mm -hmm. but it's to really promote esports as a means of really adding a lot of value to a, a, a student's education and really empowering them to pursue their future, whatever it is. Yeah. And for some kids, it might be in esports. For some kids, it might be in video production, media, marketing, events, like whatever. 
like whatever kids are interested in there's a way to do it through esports like yeah. if they're interested in sports psychology that is a thing for esports do you think like it's something like cif would pick up like to the point where every school in a district or every school in a league will be like all right we have a schedule and maybe at the end of the schedule some sort of playoff cif has talked about it for a while i don't know when it will be really? official but there been people talking about that for several years now so there might be a six period esports and i noticed like in the pros for some sports some esports like they just pick up like 17 year olds 18 year olds like to the point where they don't need college do you think like professional esports should be like at least basketball you need at least one or two years of collegiate or out or removed from high school before you can play or what if like like a school like modern day like a big private school that loves to recruit for all sports what if they start recruiting from regular public schools stealing your students if e as the esports scene grows, if the thing that is valued the most is performing well and winning, that is going to mm, happen. Yeah. Where people are going to be recruiting from students from other areas so that they can build the best team possible. But because there are so many other people involved in the esports scene, the way we can spin it instead is that this is a way for kids to be empowered to explore what's possible for their future, whatever it is. Like, yeah. It's not just about the esports athlete. Um, it's not just about the people who are playing on stage, but what about everybody else? Like they're streamers who aren't esports pros, but they are entertainers in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're game designers, they're writers, they're artists. They're like, there are so many different ways to be involved in esports where if we approach it from that angle, helping everyone find how, what they are strong at and help them pursue that, then each esports program will become something that's just more than, hey, we're going to be really good and beat you. Yeah. Yeah. I really love to, to go to like an event inside a gym with a Jumbotron charging <laughs> five bucks a pop. I'd come and watch. Hopefully. <laughs> that, that'd be really cool. Like, that's one thing that we want to do going into the next year is like have some live land tournament at the high school. That'd be really cool. I used to think like, um, like just like regular athletes, like you get caught cheating on steroids versus you get cheating with a hack. <laughs> like what punishment should there be? Um, Remove six months, one week. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, that, that's a little complicated, right? Cause um, each game company has certain rules that they have already set for how you play the game. So like if you're caught cheating, the game company like Blizzard or Riot will have their their own repercussions. And then the tournament rules will set forth other ways that you're supposed to um, follow or other rule sets for the tournament itself. So then if you break those rules, then then there are ways to deal with that too. Okay. And depending on what is done, then we'll handle it differently. I think that the biggest problem we have at the high school level, especially since the scene is going right now, is um, tournament etiquette sportsmanship things like that like how do you talk to and interact yeah. with other people in an appropriate and professional way is our, are most of the kids like very sociable or they're more like introverts <laughs> or very socially most, awkward most kids are really good at being professional when interacting with other teams but once in a while you might run across a team where no one's really told them hey you shouldn't say that so then they'll say things in like chat and things like oh that. i love trash talk yeah. <laughs> only if they know how to properly trash talk yeah they're just saying stuff just to be mean or they're just tilted or angry. And there's a certain line that you don't cross, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you gotta appreciate, like, hey, you did a good game. Like, cool. Like, shake it off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I imagined 
there can easily be <laughs> some rude individuals. Yeah, because yeah. also like you, I feel like things in. You spend a lot of hours into these games, and then and you lose, and you get angry because. And sometimes I feel like you don't play to win, but you play to not lose. When the thing that's valued the most is winning. It's very hard to avoid feelings like that where you get angry from losing because you wanted this one thing, you wanted to win, but you didn't achieve it. So like, then you start getting emotional and you might lash out at somebody else. Um, but honestly, like losing, you learn more from losing than from when you win. You don't want to lose all the time, right? Because that's just really demoralizing. But, yeah. but it also means you learned a lot. <laughs> not necessarily too. I mean, I think the best, or you learn nothing. The best games are the ones where you barely lose. Yeah. The nail biters. Yeah. yeah, those are also the best games to watch. Yeah, yeah. where someone barely wins. I hate watching landslides. Landslides are also boring. Yeah, exactly. The, when they haven't been trained to handle losses mentally, it's really easy to start like really being toxic to other teams, right? But I think that strong esports programs will train students to be able to calmly think about these high pressure situations so that whatever the outcome is they know how to move forward from that in a way where they can still learn a lot from it um do you and other like uh what are they called esport directors um the, the term that we're using right now is general manager gm general um, managers for esport like do you and like other gms from other schools like keep in touch like hey um, let's plan this out let's plan that out or have a group meeting like at the end of the year well, we, we have an active Discord where uh, all the other teachers from oh, NACEF so cool. are enacting in. And then there were also, like, um, after each tournament, the NACEF uh, had, like, a feedback session where we talked about, hey, things that worked for us were these things, and then we didn't really like this that much. Yeah. How can we implement that next year? Do you feel like there's um, an obstacle in having other teachers peers understand like esports or is pretty much everybody on the wagon of like this is awesome this is amazing kids are learning a lot from i think in our district or at least at westminster yeah and definitely a little bit in our whole district everyone's been very supportive of it that's great most people have been supportive of it i don't think anyone's actively resisted it a lot of these topics are very important for for students to be able to learn about right um esports is creating another opportunity for more kids to explore something new mm -hmm. we don't want them to not have the opportunity to participate in something else just so that we can exist with how esports is going now because a lot of companies see that this is something that is worth investing in we'll find other ways to be able to fund the esports program so that we don't take away from oh outside of like yeah. outside yeah. of the school's actual mm -hmm. funds yeah. exactly it it's definitely possible. I don't know what the answer is, um, but... Because I can see people complaining, like, what, you spent $1,000 on the charter bus to take these kids to Vegas and participate in some tournament with some fees? I think our school district has rules against just taking random charter buses. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I, I don't so, know. So, so stuff like that really isn't an issue because they already anticipated that and said, hey, you all, you need to use our school bus. Uh, yellow because school our buses. School, our, our school bus drivers are actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, I like our school bus drivers. They're, they're really cool. <laughs> Or at least the ones we have now. I don't know how they were like back then. Yeah. Some of my friends have become school bus drivers now. Really? And and they tell me stories like, oh, I ask them questions like, so what is that? Like, when do you pull out that stop sign thing on the left side? And it's like, oh, we just leave it down just so you, you guys can just go. <laughs> we're thinking of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but they should actually should be putting it up every single time. <laughs> I think every, every single time that um, 
a student comes. People are going on and off the bus. You're supposed to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a school bus driver. <laughs> I should ask <laughs> some more questions. Separate interview. Separate interview. You should find a school bus driver <laughs> interview. I mean, Quang apparently knows somebody. No, school school bus drivers are actually really cool. Yeah. Um, the good ones stick around. The ones who aren't quite as skilled, you usually don't see them for too long. Oh. Okay. I'm sure it's not even like the driving skills. I'm sure it's like the people skills, right? You're dealing with kids all day. You get angry. I don't know. I assume everybody gets angry all the time. I think. I don't, I don't think school bus drivers interact with students enough to get it. Well, I don't know because I guess the, most of the time I've interacted with school bus drivers is with Van or Avid, like on a field trip. Oh. Like that. And we have pretty strict standards that we hold our students to. Like you leave the bus cleaner than you found it, right? And, yep, that is. And I always walk the bus right after to make sure that everything's off. Yeah. And if it's not, then we're calling the kids back to clean the bus because that's their mess, right? I, I've heard stories of other schools. I don't know which schools, but I've heard stories of other schools where kids will have left a mess and then the bus driver would say yo why is all this trash here and then the parents said isn't that your job to clean it up oh dude those parents are the worst yeah i don't know what school it is and i don't want to find out yeah speaking of parents um are also parents pretty receptive of like the students doing esports are there parent volunteers that come out and chaperone things that need well to? we've never gone to a live tournament for mm-hmm. because for both the overwatch and the league of legends season we were knocked out round of eight. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we didn't get to round of four. Okay. Yeah. What seasons, um, what time of the year is each season? I can only talk for last year. I don't know what Nisa's is planning for next oh, year. Oh, gotcha. Last year, Overwatch was in the fall. League of Legends was spring. Oh, gotcha. And are the students, is it usually the same students that play both? Or do they swap out? I think there was like two overlap, but then it was a completely different set of kids. Yeah. Do you have like, like one team and then like second string kids, third string kids, or you have like group A, group B, like, so this first group of kids have, like, a chemistry. Or the second do you group draw kids. out of a hat? <laughs> <laughs> or, you, or you just pick, like, the best of the best at each position and just put them in. And we, hopefully they have chemistry. We do tryouts. Right? For Overwatch, we had we were allowed to have two teams, but we chose to only build so, one team. So if the kids don't make it, they can't just hang out and just watch and They can hang out and ready? watch and cast and, like, they can be involved in esports There's other in roles. other ways. Yeah. They won't be competing on the team, but that doesn't mean they can't play the game at all. That must mean there's only, only like 12, in Overwatch, there's only 12 kids playing throughout the year then, huh? Yeah. So, so more kids can't really join? So last year, we had one team, so six starters, and then we had six subs. Going into this next year, we're planning on having two teams. We don't know the number of subs. It won't be more than six subs. So that might be 24 kids who are kids playing. Is there usually that many kids? I don't know how many kids would want to join. Like usually, is it a lot or a little bit? Because um, if a kid joins and he's like, "Oh, I'm never gonna play," why even stay around for the rest of the year? I mean, you still learn a lot. I would imagine. I, I feel like that's what from a parent's point of view. But like, you know, kids, I, I would feel it. I'm just imagining how I would feel if I was one of the kids. Mm. I think that's that's a good question. Um, I know as a general manager, subs are very important for a lot of different reasons. One is, the, I think the obvious one is something happens to a player we can still compete because we have a sub there but a good team will be able to utilize their subs in training so that we're all supporting each other to grow to become a better team yeah and i feel like also everybody including subs probably have different methodologies of playing mm-hmm. that everybody can still learn from each other and contribute as a team yeah and the, the cool thing with overwatch is there's so many different maps and there's so many different um hero compositions or team compositions that can be played where there, there are professional teams that depending on what strategy they want to run, they might sub in one player for a position mm-hmm. just for that strategy. So like 
a sub might not be a starter, but they might be a specialist at like a situ certain situational. Yeah. yeah, they might be really skilled on these maps, but maybe not these other ones. I don't know, just my opinion, my personal opinion. That's all. No. But also, like, uh, I assume, like, because it's a public school, I don't think you should turn anyone away, yeah. regardless of tryouts. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, maybe tryouts to see who starts, who who's second, and who's third, but yeah. but not kick anyone up unless you're like a private school and you got mo like way more money on the line. <laughs> even even if a student doesn't make the esports e team, we still have the esports club. Yeah. Like, I, I think. Um, no, I think I say that a lot. Uh, our esports team practices Monday, Wednesday, Friday. On Thursday is club time, so. I think there was one day where like 30 people showed up just to play League of Legends and they're not on the team. So I have a question. Do people just bring like their laptops in or like do you guys have like nice computers at the schools funded or? We have or... a pretty nice computer lab. We got really lucky on that one. Oh, so school got a nice computer. Okay. I, I remember we had crappy computers back in the day just for like type of essays. And watching like Strong Bad or something. Yeah. So um, through career technical education, um, our school has like engineering classes, so imagine like rendering 3D stuff, and I feel like that takes a lot of power, time. right? <laughs> like when I talk to a lot of people about like esports in the high school, there are people saying like, "Oh man, I wish I had yeah. esports or like Smash Club or stuff like that in high school." But if you think about it, like the first gen gamers, that age gap is it's wide enough where that people who are parents of like freshmen right now, mm -hmm. a good chunk of them were first gen gamers who played on like NES yeah. and like played like Duck Hunt and stuff like that. The real OGs. Yeah. So I, I think that's a big part of why esports is able to be successful without that much resistance right mm -hmm. now yeah. is parents paving the way. There are enough parents yeah. who understand the value of gaming because they grew up gaming and they know the experiences that they've had really shaped who they are now and that gaming isn't just a waste of time there's a there is a way to game where you're just mind-numbingly wasting time yeah mm -hmm. but then there are also the gamers who understand that you can put a lot of energy into something and get like gaming and get a lot out of it in a way that really defines who you are today in a way that makes you successful like it's not just about the physicality of being able to press buttons fast and memorizing cool moves and stuff like that yeah but it's also about how you cope under pressure like how can you be able to still think clearly and execute what you need to do in this unfamiliar situation there's so many opportunities to make decisions to either do it incorrectly and lose or to do it correctly and win that games like that i think make you good at deciding something yeah because also if you just wait around you're also not making any advancements mm -hmm. and you're leaving yourself vulnerable to your enemy mm -hmm. but then once you lose you just go into replays watch well what happened right here oh yeah. well uh, i thought they had less units but they had way more than i did so yeah I you, lost, you, right? you watch replays in starcraft yeah is that like a new feature in the, the two it's or it's always been around since the one it's been around for a while yeah. i'm pretty okay. sure it's been in brood war Okay, I I was never really good at those games. I, did, I played it, but I never, was never good. Replays take a lot of time to really dig into, to analyze in a way that is meaningful. Because if you just go into a game and you just watch it yeah. um, without any clear objectives, then you might get something from it. But if you have clear goals, like I went to 
identify this one key weakness I have, or maybe for, for StarCraft, it's about just macro, right? Like, are you getting enough money? Are you spending your money effectively? So, so like I play Protoss, so um, we, we have a saying where it's just Sorry. probes and pylons, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, are you always building probes out of your nexus? Are you building pylons? So then you can go into a game and just look at that one thing, whatever your army's doing, yeah. doesn't matter, right? Because if you're not building probes all the time, it doesn't matter what your army is. So we'll look at it from a very specific lens like that and adjust our gameplay to improve on that one aspect and just focus on that one skill set. It's, it's like uh, practicing football. You don't just play games to practice. You run drills, right? Yeah. Um, and and a lot of players don't just play everything. Well, some, some do, but um, <laughs> they usually specialize in something. Yeah. Correct. Right? So then when you're watching videos of games, you'll have a coach that points out your specific situation and how you're decide, making decisions in that situation instead of just playing games over and over and over again. Because yeah. if you only played games, if one, you'd just get injured a lot and be you, tired all the time, but then you wouldn't really learn You wouldn't learn yeah. or improve. Yeah. So it's really just like reviewing for sports. Well, I don't know because I did the football. But... It, 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 it is a very similar concepts yeah. here mm-hmm. and there. Yeah. Westminster Esports, um, <laughs> Westminster Band, and Westminster Football. Yeah. Um, hope you guys do well and improve. And I hope the team continues to grow. Um, your social media plugs. Um, let's see. I'm in the process of rebranding right now because I'm getting to the esports thing. So um, Twitter, Twitch is um, Tachikoma underscore W. That's spelled T-A-C-H-I. Oh. It'll be right here at the bottom of your screen. T-A-C-H-I-K-O-M-A underscore O-W. And the link is also below in the comment section, <laughs> or above the comment section, whatever the info is. We'll figure it out. This is our first video. That's this is also the best video yet, and we're getting out all the wrinkles. <laughs> Did you mean it's the best of all time? <laughs> this is the boats. This is the boats. Boats and goats. <laughs> awesome. Well, we survived our first video podcast. Think of a bummer. And I really appreciate all you guys, like, hanging in there and putting up with us. And it's almost my birthday. <laughs> Oh, I thought we've been recording for so long. All right. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Are we ready? Yeah, you you started. So everybody, stay beautiful. And stay alpha.